Hello, babes. I've decided to let Nicole out of the bunker for this episode because we wanted to try something a little different this time. Is Dolly Parton still alive? I've been in the bunker so long. Dolly can never die. Okay, good. good. Okay, good, 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 good. Yeah, yeah. I was my Dinosaurs only... are back, though. <gasps> Just I kidding. love dinosaurs. I lied. Why would you do that? Well, we have pigeons. I don't give a fuck about pigeons. Wow, rude. <laughs> they eat so many cigarette butts. They that's, are that's hardcore. Hardworking citizens of New York. It's hardcore. No wonder they're so stinky. <laughs> so we let Nicole out of the bunker because I wanted someone with me to do this sort of new version of horror or not. What we've been doing is any movie that someone brings to me or that I decide I want to cover on the show, the rule has been so far that it has to be, it cannot be listed as horror on Wikipedia, basically. That's sort of just been the carte blanche rule. Uh, it's also maybe turned down several movies that people wanted to cover, and I'm sure they're going to be mad at me when they listen to this, but we can maybe reconvene now that we're trying this new thing out. We're still going to do the standard one, and that's going to be with the one you hear the most often, but once in a while, we're going to throw you one of these where we look at a movie that is listed as horror and sort of see if that should be the case. Yeah, and this movie is kind of listed as like five different things. <laughs> yeah, it is a 2016 science fiction psychological horror thriller film. Okay. Which if, if you've seen it, honestly, you can justify each and every one of those. Just about, yeah. So I get it, but it, I, I'm glad we're breaking it down. Wait, what movie are we talking about? 10 Cloverfield Lane, the most stressful movie I've seen in like months. <laughs> yeah, the so 10 Cloverfield Lane, a uh, surprisingly good movie. Yeah, very really, good. Really, really enjoyed it when we watched it last October. Yeah, and I just watched it again last night. And I mean, I was like just so stressed out. It's a stressful fucking movie. The scene where John Goodman they're like they're playing that game. I'm sorry, I cannot remember the name of it at the moment, but he's it's basically like playing on like the plot and he's saying like he's describing Santa Claus. Yeah. So he's like I see everything and he just starts like, you know, like yelling yeah. and stuff. I just my my blood pressure I think like shot up. I, I I couldn't. I was just like <laughs> I hate that I'm like alone right now. This is I'm so stressed out yeah. for nothing. <laughs> yeah. Oof. I was just chilling. It's a great movie. But is it horror? And that's what we're going to talk about today. Mm-hmm. It's, it's oh, certainly what, stressful. What do we do here? I don't remember what we do here. We talk about movies and we decide whether or not they're horror. And that's what we're doing. And we're doing it with one that's already listed as horror. But it's also listed as 15 other things. Yeah. So, I mean, we're just going to break down and kind of compartmentalize, I guess. Maybe do it in a very textbooky way and just take a look at what we've said before falls under the horror genre and just kind of compare it to those things and see where it fits within other genres and maybe we can come up with our opinion <laughs> on which genre it is number one. You know, because it is listed yeah. as like five things. You should run the show. I'm fucking trash at this. Well, you should let me out of the bunker more often, you asshole. Fuck that. <laughs> the bunker is safe. Oh, God. Don't, don't, don't go all Don Goodman on me, please. Uh, be one of America's finest actors. Okay. He was so good in this. He's, it's one of my favorite. It, it, this is really is one of my favorite performances from him. His mannerisms and everything, and it, he just gets so specific. Yeah, it's and so off putting. And it's off putting. Yeah, it's. Whew. He's great. He's Whew. great. I will. That's just all I'll say right body, now. He's full body great shivers. in this. So is Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Again, another like. Big fan of I hers. I haven't seen her in much other than what? Pride and Prejudice and Scott Pilgrim. Yes. And I love her in Scott Pilgrim, but Ramona's kind of like a very muted role 
Mm-hmm. And this is not. Yeah. This, this is completely different. Yeah. This is a fight for survival role. Yeah. And yeah. So. The, the other dude, John Gallagher Jr., also very oh, good yeah. in this. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's only three actors in the whole movie. Right. There are tiny, like there's, you know, there there are cameos. Yeah. But yeah, it, it's a it's a three person film. Also, poster design was great on this. Mm-hmm. It's one of my favorites. Is it echoes Rosemary's Baby it or does. The Exorcist in the look of it? But that L that goes down underneath the house and creates Lane. The, it's just it's just really solid poster if, design. Yeah, it, if, it's very if, nice and throwbacky. If we want to go ahead and like dive into the first couple moments of this film, I thought the title cards are amazing. Oh, really? Like, really solid. Oh yeah. my god, wow. I loved it. I loved that. I love. Oh my god, yeah. It could because yeah, it was reminiscent. On like yeah, other other horror films that came before it, and I thought that was just really cool, and it was just such such an exciting start. Yeah, I'm gonna start off just doing just the basics <laughs> here. So yes, Ten Cloverfield Lane came out in 2016. Yeah, it is the first from Dan Trachtenberg, who you probably don't know. He has done a f- couple of other things, but they've been a little bit more under the radar. Yeah, so he wrote uh, one of our favorite episodes of Black Mirror, Playtest, which is one of their most explicitly horror episodes. Agreed, yeah. It's not just like the horrifyingness of the world. It's truly just straight up a horror episode. Definitely. It has that. I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. Yeah. And it, it, it definitely helps that they throw someone in a cabin. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that always um, just kind of points yeah. directly towards. <laughs> and then he directed the first, I guess, a series premiere of The Boys, mm-hmm. the sort of like alt superhero series on Amazon Prime. That's right. Uh, which is the only episode I've seen of it, and it was quite good. Other than that, this was produced by J.J. Abrams, who has attracted a lot of ire again lately. Mm-hmm. Unless you're a real hardcore Star Wars fanboy, which I am, but I hate him. Anyway... He's a producer because this is part of the Cloverfield franchise. This was a script that Josh Campbell, Matt Stukin, and Damien Chazelle had written. Damien Chazelle came in and did the punch up Mm -hmm. of it, basically, and like is who made it all Cloverfieldy. Yeah. But Josh Campbell and Matt Stukin had the script. Abrams bought it Mm -hmm. and wanted it for the Cloverfield franchise. Uh, If you've seen the original Cloverfield movie, it is a very fantastic kaiju movie, Mm -hmm. which is. Japanese monster, but it's a very specific type of monster, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. So we are playing with a number of sort of horror-y tropes. Because I would still say that Cloverfield is, the original Cloverfield is in the horror vein. Mm-hmm. I like that movie a lot as much as it's hard to watch. It's cool. It's fun. I enjoyed it a lot. Only three uh, accredited actors, John Goodman, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, John Gallagher Jr., Ben McCreary did the music, uh, and Jeff Cutter on cinematography. Pretty tight runtime at 104 minutes, just over a half hour. Or, sorry, an hour and a half. <laughs> yeah, it's an hour 45, I think. Yeah. And, yeah, it, like, killed at the box office. Not surprised. Yeah. It was between $13, $15 million for the budget, made 110. So, good mm-hmm. job. <laughs> the big shift, I think, here... I'm just going to try and get all this out of the way first. Um, the big shift here from Cloverfield was that while Cloverfield was in a found footage style, mm-hmm. this was not... This yeah. is shot very tight, all third person. It's shot almost like you would shoot a play for most of it. Absolutely. Because it's a fucking play. I, yeah, no, I, <laughs> I completely noticed that, that all of the shots are just very straightforward. Like they, any sort of establishing shot or shot that shows you a particular object, you yes. as a viewer automatically clock like that's going to be important later. It's very, and very straightforward. And it's just straightforward, very straightforward. Yeah. It's very Chicagoan, yeah. Yes. Or sorry, as... Chekhovian. 
Oh. It's I mean, and, and only in that it's like us. We we remember we watched it. It's like oh, this is a series of Chekhov's guns. Yeah, this is just a thousand Chekhov's guns in a row, and I'm not mad about it. Mm-hmm. It's just like it's all set up, payoff, set up, payoff, set up, payoff. Yes, and I I don't hate that. Yeah, I, I think I, it I works. Like it undercuts it. I don't know. Anyway, other than that. I think that's just about it in terms of what I have to say about the production. Um, I just always like to shout out the technical people and things. Even yeah. That's not really what we're talking about on this episode or this format. Isn't We don't really go into the technical aspects unless they really, really matter. But mm. I just always want to make sure that cast and crew are shouted out. Yeah. I think the plot's pretty straightforward. It um, is. It's very easy to explain. Yeah. <laughs> it's So this is a tight, uh, this is what, you know, in TV we'd call it a bottle episode. But it's just a very straightforward woman- is in date woman is in a car crash gets knocked out wakes up in a bunker lives in the bunker finds sinister plot in the bunker escapes the bunker and then there's a twist at the end yeah that goes on for way longer than i thought it would (laughs) right it's a whole action sequence anyway Mm -hmm. so i'll go through and do a little bit of a beat plot beat but i don't want to go into deep on details details yeah because it is straightforward like you said it is a play. Yeah. Yeah. So Michelle, that's Mary Elizabeth Winstead's character, has broken up with her boyfriend, Ben. She's leaving New Orleans and driving through rural Louisiana. Uh, she starts hearing news reports of blackouts, and then she gets sideswiped by a truck, rolls off the road, is knocked unconscious. She wakes up in a locked room, an underground bunker, police, of, uh, and, well, she wakes up in a room. That's what we know, actually, so far. True. Yeah. 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 We don't know. It's a bunker. It doesn't look great, though. Yeah. Um, but her wounds have been treated, uh, and there's a large man who enters, and his name is Howard. That's John Goodman. Howard says this. This is his bunker. He brought her here for protection, and that the air outside has been poisoned by nuclear or chemical fallout from an unknown attack. He takes her on a tour of the bunker, and she meets Emmett, who is the other survivor. That's John Gallagher Jr. Poor little idiot. He's a poor little idiot. So he takes her out up to the view. She's like, fuck you. This isn't real. Fuck you. This isn't real. Takes her up to the viewport, the double door, and shows her two pigs rotting outside. Cool. To to prove his point. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) She also sees his truck and realizes that it's the truck that sideswiped her and Mm -hmm. knocked her off the road. She, that's when she starts mistrusting Howard, tells Emmett about this stuff, and is like, I don't think all this is true. Yeah. But... Emmett's naive ass is like... Yeah, I think Emmett has some daddy issues. Oh, he for sure does. Up and down. Yeah. They start playing family a little bit. Uh, It's clear that Howard wants Michelle to... It becomes clear over the course of the plot that Howard wants Michelle to take the place of his dead daughter, who he was estranged from. But they are having a family dinner together. It's very tense. It's very creepy. It's very weird. Uh, Michelle steals Howard's keys, tries to open the hatch... And then this woman who is covered in lesions and freaking out and so gross, leper as hell. Nasty. Shows up and is begging to let in. She dies. Michelle gives the keys back and lets Howard know that he was right. And he says he accidentally hit her car in his panic to get to the shelter. So now we have a detente. Mm-hmm. They start, yeah, really playing family here mm-hmm. uh, now. Because Michelle's like, well, fuck, I guess he is right. And Emmett's like, okay, well, yeah, he was right. Okay, we were wrong. That's cool. We can all just let bygones be bygones and just go hang out and play our little fam- weird family trio out. Mm-hmm. They're like playing games. They're Yeah, everybody's more relaxed. They're cooking. They're cleaning. They've got their chore lists. Howard still doesn't fuck, still can't fucking stand Emmett and clearly did not want him here. No. And definitely treats Michelle like a little girl. But he starts opening up with his daughter, and he says his, his daughter is not with us anymore. He wants Michelle to fix the air filtration unit because it fails, since so she's the only one small enough. Mm-hmm. 
While she's repairing it, she finds a locked skylight and the word help scratched in the inside of the glass. <laughs> and just like scratch marks and blood. Yeah, there's like blood. The yeah. yeah. So Michelle and Emmett realize that this person who Howard said was his daughter mm-hmm. was a girl who went missing two years ago that Emmett knew. Yep. Gross. Yep. <laughs> so they start making plans to escape. They make this like hazmat suit. Yeah. Which is super dope. Yeah, yeah, no, it was really Oh, right, because Michelle's cool. a fashion designer, right? That's the thing I love. Yeah. Up. Yes, that's yeah. the thing that comes up. Howard starts discovering tools and parts are missing. He accuses the two of stealing them. And then he threatens to immerse both of them in a barrel of perchloric acid. Nasty shit. Yeah, totally normal. So <laughs> Emmett immediately is just like, nope, it was me. Plays the, the nice knight in shining armor, even though he's kind of an idiot. And mm-hmm. that's, I mean, that's exactly what he would do. Yeah. Protect the girl. Yeah. Gross. <sighs> Yeah, so he was like, nope, I was building a weapon so that Michelle would respect me. Mm-hmm. And Howard's like, okay, great. Here's a real weapon. Yep. Kills him. Ugh, sorry, and, I'm like just remembering parts of this movie. It's like making me stressed. <laughs> and then he's like trying to quote unquote comfort Michelle. Yeah, that's right. In a half-assed way. Yeah. So Emmett was going to make a lies about making a weapon to protect Michelle. Howard shoots Emmett to protect Michelle. And Michelle's like, I don't want any of this. Mm-hmm. I want to go. Yeah. But even though Michelle's in shock, she's like, okay, you know what? Fuck it. I can just play for two more seconds mm-hmm. while I get my ass together and out of here. Yeah. Yeah. You, you have to play the game. Yeah. She doesn't think that she's going to be caught, but then Howard does catch her. There's a whole, like, Tom and Jerry moment. Yeah. Uh, she ends up knocking over the acid with Emmett's body inside. And, <laughs> yeah. Yikes. And Howard falls over into the acid. Oh, it's so gross. It's so it's, cool. Yeah, yeah. Starts an electrical fire in the bunker. Michelle gets a suit on, escapes, and she starts seeing signs of wildlife, and that's really cool. Mm-hmm. She takes the helmet off, and then suddenly you're like, oh, everything's fine now. Yeah, she, well, she realizes that he was wrong about that. Yeah, but as soon as she's like, oh, everything's chill, we see the large spacecraft because the bunker exploded and it came over to check it out. There's an alien that drops out, chases Michelle around. She hides we in the shed. Aliens. We got aliens! <laughs> the craft starts shooting out gas. Michelle gets back in the suit. She, oh yeah, she gets the liquor from Howard's truck, mm-hmm. makes a Molotov, hits the ship, gets in her car, escapes, and as she's driving to, she's at the Texas border now, here's the radio instructing survivors to head to Baton Rouge, but also requesting help of anyone with medical or combat training in Houston, and she sits there for a bit and goes towards Houston, and we see big alien craft in the sky. Yep. End. End. So, this ending wasn't... The original script yeah. was very different. Correct. It kind of characterized Michelle as more of like just a pawn uh-huh. or like a bystander. Right. And also the ending was completely different in the original script, mm-hmm. which was she kind of drives towards like Chicago, I think it said. and Right, where she was going in the first place. Yeah, yeah. And sees that basically Howard was right the whole time. Like she sees the city is in like just complete is just completely like they're destroyed yeah but yeah so that that was what the original ending was supposed to be yeah so the changes that were made there were several good ones made damien chazelle is not a bad writer by any means making her role more active is one that i especially appreciated mm-hmm. love that mm-hmm. especially because mary elizabeth winstead doesn't need to just sit around and do nothing mm-hmm. some of the things that, so let's we should we should really dive into like just the horror of it mm-hmm. and this is where it gets tricky because 
the more I think about it, the long, the more I think this is not actually a horror movie. I was going, see, I watched the film a second time with that veil. Yeah. And yeah, I just kept thinking, honestly, this fits way more into a thriller sci-fi. Sci-fi because of the aliens at the end yeah. and thriller because of the rest of it. But I get why people would put it in a horror category because of the whole nightmare logic of it. And yeah. it does have this just cloak of like dread mm-hmm. over all of it. And you're as a viewer, you are afraid, but you don't know why the entire time you are very unsettled. Yes. And so I could see why some people would put it in that category. But me, for me personally, I think it relates more to the thriller sci-fi yeah. genre than it does horror. This is a rare one where I think it actually is a thriller. People yeah. say people say psychological thriller, and I've talked a lot of shit on that terminology. Yeah, this is one of them. Yeah, because and I'm trying to I'm trying to come up with a succinct way to say why I don't think it's a horror film. Well, it doesn't um, have to be succinct. We can record as long as we want. No, I know, but I'm trying to. <laughs> I guess that's the wrong word. Then. Give a thesis statement. Yeah, because let's see, let's break it down to what's a movie that is in the horror genre that would be considered close to this? What's a movie where someone is trapped somewhere kind of against their will, but there's also been mass like destruction potentially outside? Is there something nope. that... <laughs> That's it. This is, just, the, this is the one. I'm just trying um, to think of... But So there are similar films that we can talk about in relation to this, right? Mm-hmm. Don't Breathe is one that mm-hmm. is, is in this vein. Because I, I kind of want to ignore the end, right? I think I, the ending is irrelevant because it's tacked on. I do want to talk about it, though. We, we will. But I just, I mean, to, to talk about the horror of it, because it's not part of the story story. Yeah. It's a fourth beat that's sort of just like there, right? Mm, I don't think it's just there. Okay. But that's, okay. That's, that's, that's my, maybe, yeah. Well, maybe we that's my that. hot yeah. take, but I, I like the ending. Oh, I don't mind the ending. I just. I think it's, I think it's important. Okay. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Then we'll chat about that. Yeah. So here's where I was coming at it from, though, just to do that real fast, yeah. is that. I ignored the ending because the ending is not part of the original story and it doesn't feel like part of the story to me. It's the framing of it all. It fits it into a universe that it wasn't originally in. But the beginning and the end are like that. The radio that she's hearing over the, at the beginning mm-hmm. doesn't matter. And the end doesn't matter. What matters is the point at which John Goodman hits her with his truck and the point at which she escapes. That's the that's the plot of the movie to me. I disagree. Okay, cool. <laughs> in that though that's a, that's i'm just a, this, this is where i was looking at the comparison thing mm-hmm. because that's where don't breathe trapped in a place mm-hmm. that you can't escape and terrifying presence right mm-hmm. this movie flirts with torture porn in terms of the tone of it all yeah no that's that's uh, I think absolutely that that's what true. i would look at like i would look at something yeah. like a hostel or a uh, mm-hmm. saw or some other third thing human centipede would be yeah like, trapped crazy situation not sure who to non-supernatural. trust. Non-supernatural. Right. Not yeah. sure who to trust, but non-supernatural. Right? Yeah. Because if you want to go with like trapped in a place, you can go Evil Dead, you can go House of Wax, Last House yeah. on the Left, all these sorts of things. Right? Like there's the trapped in a place that you can't escape the supernatural, the haunted house sort of thing, or the cabin in the woods kind of thing. And then there's the trapped in a house, non-supernatural. I'm trying to think if the reason I'm not seeing it as horror is... This might come off as superficial, but this might be why it doesn't strike me as horror is just that like not a lot happens. You know, there it's a little mundane. Like yeah. they like, yes, there is this underlying thing of like Howard's awful and is an abuser. Yes. But it's 
I don't know. Maybe it's just in horror films, there's like just a couple more like active things. Ha- like, yes, she discovers things. Right. And it thickens the plot and all of these things. But it kind of just feels like one of those movies where, I don't know, there, there, there aren't as many horror layers on top of what's already happening. Yeah. One of the things we talk about is, that we've talked about a few times, is horror versus horrifying. Yeah. And I think this film is horrifying, yeah. but not horror. Yeah. It's very tense. It is very horrifying. There are implications mm-hmm. to things. But in a certain way, I think the threat... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come across so shitty for saying this. The threat of Howard mm-hmm. isn't a looming threat to me. He's weird. He's mm-hmm. creepy. He is very off-putting. But he's not an active threat. Mm-hmm. Does, does that make sense? He's not like trying to kill her, trying to torture her, any I, yeah. of those things. I get, what, I get what you're saying. He's definitely, he is a ticking time bomb, but it's also like in in other horror films, we've seen someone just like, like I, I feel like what might have raised the stakes and made me think of this as a horror film is if he had just left her tied up the entire time and yes. was like just bringing her the food yes. and she couldn't get out. Yeah. And it's part of the reason I love this movie for what it is, mm-hmm. because she's free to move around, and she's the one who makes the choices to leave. She's the one who doesn't want mm-hmm. to be there. All of those things are great. They're good writing. Yes. But it, mo- it that's, I think, what moves it out of the horror genre for me. Yeah. Because it doesn't... This, yeah, the stakes are... She creates the stakes. And I think you, you're right with Nightmare Logic that, that comes in, mm-hmm. but there's no active threat. Yeah. And I think that that's what takes me out of it, is that... It, it manages to create tension and, and horrifying implications. Like, yeah, Howard probably raped and killed that, that little girl. Yes. Not little girl, the, the young woman. Yes. That is likely what happened. Yeah. That's pretty, pretty and that that's a threat. Implied, that, yeah. yeah that's, and that's the threat that I understand is there. Mm-hmm. And that's why I mean it's horrifying. Right. But he's but not actively pursuing it. And if there does seem to be an implication that she that won't happen to her. Yeah. If she plays along. Yes. And I think that's what it is. Yes. So Howard as a as a being is horrifying, but I don't think he qualifies as a horror monster. Right. Because there's not there's not like there's not a direct threat. Yeah. And I think Emmett even says that multiple times. He's mm-hmm. like, Well, if we just go along with this, the th- real threat is outside. We yeah. saw that. We know that. We can survive in here. It's gonna be obnoxious, mm-hmm. but we can survive. Yeah. And I think that's until you until you see the the scene with the air vents. That seems to be the case. That seems to be true. Mm-hmm. And it's just not clear to me. Yeah, that I, it, it doesn't feel like he's an active threat. He's a potential threat. Well, and here's the fact that this what I'm about to say doesn't necessarily isn't necessarily an argument to take it out of the horror genre, but it's definitely an argument that puts it into the psychological thriller. Mm-hmm. Is the fact that you do not know who to trust throughout the entire film. Yeah. You don't know because you get it at first you're like, "Oh my god, Howard's insane. Mm-hmm. He's he's lost it." But then you get, you know, you're following Michelle through the yes. whole thing. It's her, you know, journey and you see the glimmers of like, oh my God, this guy might actually be right. Mm -hmm. And then you kind of are going back and forth as an audience member of like, okay, so maybe he's like half right, but he's still, you know, a bad person and keeping her her like captive. But he thinks because he also is insane that he's doing the right thing Mm -hmm. or, you you know, it's, it's, it's this whole complex thing. And that's what I think is a very strong argument for psychological thriller. Yeah. That you're dealing with someone who is a bit unhinged, Mm -hmm. but is, the most prepared person in the situation that you believe to be true. And it's the, the logic in this movie is very interesting. Again, he's not wrong. Mm -hmm. He's just kind of wrong. Yeah. 
he's a doomsday prepper. And yeah. he's been preparing for this and he thinks it's the Russians or yada yada or the Chinese or something like that. Yeah. It's this very like red it's he's got he clearly like grew up during the Red Scare era mm-hmm. and just took it to heart. Yes. <laughs> and that means he's very fucking well prepared. Yeah. I would live in that bunker. That is a very livable bunker. It's not bad. Her room I don't know why but her room looks like 10 times worse than the rest of the house. I'm just like, yeah. why'd you have to put homegirl in the basement? <laughs> um, <laughs> the storage closet. The st- yeah, it's kind of it's kind of crazy. And I think that something that for me as a viewer separates those two things sometimes is like, obviously with a horror film, you're thinking like, what would I do in this situation? Mm-hmm. But I think in a psychological thriller, you're confused about what you would do in the situation. I think that's right. So that also, like when I'm watching a film in my gut, that's what kind of separates it for me yeah like what am i feeling as a viewer and yeah yeah. am i am i feeling terror or am i feeling tension yeah exactly and the honestly the the um answer is the latter for this one tension i I mean like i I said my blood pressure rose (laughs) yeah i think that's what it i think that's what it comes down to because like when we want to analyze horror movies right and when Mm -hmm. we want to talk about what horror movies are and what we've been doing this whole project terror is the word that comes up the most yeah. No one has not mentioned that word on mic, whether or not it got cut and made it to the final edit or whatever. But like when I was talking, or if, you know, it's the the one word that keeps coming up is terror. Mm-hmm. Am I terrified of this? Yeah. Not am I horrified by these actions, but am I terrified of the situation? Yeah. That, mm-hmm. That's a that's a major, major difference. Yeah. Um, it doesn't sound like it, but it is. Yeah. Yeah. Like the wording is tough, but yeah. it, it is a difference. Because I'm terrified of ex machina. Mm-hmm. I'm terrified of being in that situation. It's a very similar... So actually, that would be probably the best one to compare it to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have all the sci-fi of it all. Mm-hmm. You have trapped-ish yeah. in a situation. There is a basement. Mm-hmm. There is a lot of tension and a lot of all these things. But when I watch it through, especially on rewatches, mm-hmm. I'm terrified. Knowing the ending and watching it again, I'm terrified of the situation. Yeah. Not horrified by it. Yeah. I think Nathan, Oscar Isaac's character, does some horrifying things. Mm -hmm. But that can be part of it. That's fine. Yeah. But what terrifies me is, one, that someone like Nathan definitely exists in the real world right now. Mm -hmm. And two, this AI is a different kind of AI than we've seen before. It's not like Terminator AI where it's out to kill everything. She just wants to get out. Mm -hmm. This is like watching... It, I would say that that movie is like the inverse of this, where you're seeing it through Emmett's eyes. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. And that Ava is a parallel for Michelle, and that Nathan's a parallel for John, uh, for Howard, John Goodman. Mm-hmm. I think I'm, I'm making this connection on Mike. Sorry, I did not prep this, so I'm like <laughs> having fun realizing that that's like, oh no, this is the same movie just flipped, and that's why I like both of these movies. Yeah, that's a good discovery. Love um, discoveries. We love them. We love. But yeah, love I think that that's part of it is the framing too. So I, that's what the yeah. other thing I want to get into. Watching something, the perspective of the character matters. Mm-hmm. Want, having your protagonist be the person who's trying to escape makes sense. That is the that is typically the correct choice to make. Mm-hmm. But it can. I think it's also again what removes this from the horror genre and puts it into the thriller, where yeah. her mind is being fucked with and she yeah. doesn't know what's going on, and that's fine and that's good, and you can have that in a horror movie. But this is one where I really is. If it were supernatural, I would immediately put it in horror. Wouldn't mm-hmm. even think about it twice about it. We would not be talking about this. Yeah. But because it's not supernatural and that the sci-fi-ness of it all doesn't matter, 
mm-hmm. in the bunker, right? Right. It, it, I mean, it does. It plays in, but it's a setting, the a- not a the plot aliens aren't, point. It's not a character point. The aliens don't, like, come inside the bunker at any point. Right. And, or, like, we don't find out that they're, like, more powerful and they... Yeah. Yeah, like, they're not psychically that, affecting her or psychologically affecting her. Yes. And so I'm like, okay, then they, they, they are not... I agree with you there. Yeah. yeah. And again, if it was the aliens, I would say, okay, great. This is now a sci-fi horror. Yeah. Yeah. No, this movie walks a very fine line, and I and that I think is why on if you if you Google it, any website's gonna label it as like five things. Yeah. And but yeah, we're we're here to kind of like break that all down, and I think that we both can come to the agreement that it is a psychological thriller with sci-fi aspects. Definitely. Yeah. I want to hear more about why the ending matters. Like why? Why? What, let's. So. <laughs> so I know I know that this I know that a lot of people dislike this ending and they think it came out of nowhere and they think that it didn't have a place but I disagree with that I think that yeah you could you could do a thousand things within what they did mm-hmm. you know there there are a thousand choices sure that they could have made but I think that like I mean maybe the alien didn't even need to be that I don't know right. you, you could have left you could have left that out but I I kind of think that it's important because who are we following throughout the entire film who is this film actually about sure. Michelle yeah and that's her character arc. Mm-hmm. And Howard, we didn't begin with Howard. No. We didn't even start her arc with Howard. Yeah. At all, right? So it didn't start with him, so it shouldn't end with him. And I see. the whole movie is calling out abusers, and the whole movie is an allegory for abuse uh, and, and how Definitely. it affects people who have been abused their entire life because she does say to she does say to Emmett when they're kind of having like a heart to heart moment she reveals that like her father was abusive mm-hmm. and she says that she has regrets we don't we don't know if her boyfriend fiance whatever that she's just ran from if yeah. he's abusive or not it, it might be implied but it's it's a soft imply yeah um, there's no, so there's we, don't no know. Reveal. we don't know but we do know that Michelle likes to run mm-hmm we know that when things get hard, she runs. Yeah. So um, when she's when when that choice is taken away from her, and Howard displays like it is like a textbook checklist of oh, abuser. Oh, you could go through the DSM five, like, and it's all listed right there. Like when. I mean, it, right, right out the gate, right out the gate when she, when he comes in and we first meet him, how he's more interested in controlling her than comforting her. Absolutely. That's when you first know. You're like, oh, this guy is, mm-mm. Yeah. No, like red flag, red flag, red flag. And then there's the whole like, he just wants to control her mm-hmm. through any tactic and that, and he gaslights her. He does all of these things. Absolutely. And so... If we left this with him, like, still alive and we find out that he's right, like, the original script, which the original script tracked because it treated Michelle's character more as a sex object anyway. And it was kind of a cynical view on her, that, the whole thing. Yeah. But this change to the script you needed a more justified ending for michelle and i follow you and the reason why i think that she needed to fight something was and win which it's kind of ridiculous like i kind of don't buy that she stayed alive after that but like it's kind of hard to believe it's a little action here yeah yeah it suspends your disbelief for a second but she's alive and i think the point of her having to fight something is showing us that she's grown, that she's not running, 
She fights it and she defeats it. And then when she comes at the end to that crossroad, she... Very literal crossroads moment, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, very literal. She decides to take action instead of escape to Baton Rouge. Yeah. Because that's what it's Baton Rouge Yeah, the choice is Baton Rouge or Houston, yeah. She decides to go to Houston where they're kind of calling to action saying, like, if you have experience with combat or, you know, any of this, like, we're requesting help in Houston. Yeah. And she decides not to run. She decides, she makes the choice to go and fight because now she knows what she's up against. And there is this whole push and pull of like, if I leave the bunker, it might be worse Mm -hmm. out there, but at least I'm making my own choice. Yeah. And that's why I think the ending's important. Cool. I love Um, that. It's very character driven, but that's me. No, I'm, that's no, you're I I'm, I look at you. character arcs and that's all I that that's the first and 90% of what I look at when I look <laughs> at a movie. Yeah, I get why it was kind of jarring for people. Sure. And I get that maybe it could have gone a different way and still had the same impact and made the same point, but I think it was an important point to make that she didn't end up just being like this abused Thing the entire time Definitely. and made her own choice yeah no I, do, I i'm a fan of most of the things they did with the rewrite of the script i think it's a much more powerful story mm-hmm. because we've seen what the original script was before yes that's that's a that's been ugh, i don't need it again no uh and that's even more in the horrifying not horror i would have i don't think i would have liked it if it was the original script no because i don't think it's I, like, I don't think I would have at all it's very I, tired well, yeah, I mean, I think we're, I mean, for the love of God, I hope we're past, you know, showing women as these like weak things that can just be sex objects and abused and Jesus. never have agency. Yeah. Like, I, I I, hope we're past that. I, I know we're still working on it, clearly, but... Also, can we get past using rape as an origin, rape and revenge as an origin story for women? Oh, yeah. For strong female characters. Yeah. We're talking Tarantino, Whedon, that sort of thing. Yeah, because men in horror films, we just assume they're strong. Like (laughs) we, like we have this belief that like nothing had to happen to them to make them strong, but there's this belief that something had to happen to a woman to make her strong. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, yeah, that's tired. I'm over it. Yeah, because uh, we're also born strong. Newsflash. Sorry (laughs) if you're threatened. Turns out humans (laughs) are humans and can rise to the occasion no matter what they're perceived sex or gender yeah take that threat honey take that threat to your therapist is all (laughs) i have to say if you're threatened by a strong woman who who hasn't even been through some shit who was just born strong and Mm -hmm. was maybe you know raised in a strong family then take that shit to your therapist and work it out yeah that's all i have to say (laughs) (laughs) so we should talk about the movie a little bit more yeah or just about the genre is really what i want to talk about Mm mm-hmm because now I'm questioning Don't Breathe as well. Maybe that's our next. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe that's well, our I don't want to retread. But yeah, I guess, I guess the reason I wanted to do this version of things is that while I want horror to be a big tent, mm-hmm. part of this project is like to get to the accuracy of what the term means. Yeah. Right? To have like, we can have subcategories and yada, yada, yada. We can make this as complicated as we want. But I don't think that horror is as complicated a genre. It's very hard to write. It's very hard to do well. Mm-hmm. But it's it's... I don't think the factors within it are super complicated, but they are nebulous. And I think that that's why it is a big tent, right? Mm -hmm. Terror means a lot of things to a lot of people. And like, there's been a lot of great discussions about it. Mm -hmm. Um, Cracked put out a really good video uh, with their after hour series Mm -hmm. where a few actually that you and I have watched, I've watched a thousand, I've watched them a thousand times because I love them, but they talk about like what gets at 
why is horror set in certain places? Why is this thing scary to us, right? Mm-hmm. Like, there's a really good point about why, and actually it comes up in this movie, and it's one of the reasons I want to question. So one of the things I do want to give it is the setting. Yeah. Is a horror setting to me. Absolutely. Not just that it's like some shack, but it's outside in the woods. So there's this theory, I can't remember if we've talked about it on the podcast before, but there's this notion that the reason all of British horror is set in the cities is because that's where they lost their humanity. Oh, so, like, as a culture, I don't think right? we've talked about that. Oh, yeah. That's no, a super cool theory. It. Yeah, yeah. So, this is theory that, like, the British horror stories take place in cities, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and for a few ex- examples right off the bat, I don't know if Attack the Block counts as horror, but that's one that I would put in there. Jack the Ripper, 28 Days Later, takes place in mo- primarily in the city. Mm-hmm. Shaun of the Dead. All of these. Yeah. Like, I know I'm mentioning two zombie movies, but, like, if you look at British horror, it takes place in cities. Yeah. Rosemary's Baby is another one where it's yes. it's in New York, but it's written with London in mind. Yeah, we uh, we've touched on that sort of thing the the idea Hellraiser. of the idea of being isolated. Yeah, even if you're in a city, right? But if you're isolated by the people you know just around right. you, then yeah, that's pretty horrifying. But terrifying. culturally speaking, it's that the Brits lost their human humanity as a culture when yeah. they moved to the city because of the Industrial Revolution, right? All these horrible abuses that happened to people. Mm-hmm. That's not entirely true because colonialism is where they lost their humanity. But to the, I get what you're of saying, the story though. they tell themselves, right? Yeah. Of the sins they want to admit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the things that they find scary. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. Americans I love that. That's lost so theirs when we left the cities. Yes. So, so that's why we... Right. So... Yeah. We committed our worst atrocities as a culture, arguably, in on the frontier mm-hmm. and out in the woods and yada yada. So when we set our pieces, you won't find a lot of American horror movies that are set in a city. Suburbs at best, right? That's absolutely true. Yeah. Uh, and people will say, well, oh, because you can be isolated more easily. Like, no, you can be isolated in the city all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very easy to be isolated. We live in fucking... New York City. Again, Rosemary's Baby is the perfect example. I know that you mean like London in mind. I get that. But also like that's the perfect example because she's in New York City and she's completely isolated by people not believing her. And also I think pregnancy is also a very isolating experience and not many people talk about that. Yeah. But no, that's Uh, that's fascinating. I I didn't I never put those pieces together. Yeah. And it's it's not it doesn't track 100 percent, but it's it's a strong. That's a really interesting like thesis, though. Yeah, that's yeah, (laughs) that's really interesting. It's a fun one. Uh, Um, But yeah, so the fact that it's set out in the I guess you would call it wilderness, but like the farmland of Louisiana. Yeah, it's the outskirts. Yeah, you're not near anything. And that's part of why like she's on a rural highway, like a backcountry highway. Yeah. When she gets hit. When she gets hit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's having it be set out there is a classic american horror thing so i do want to give it at least that credit like they were they were doing a good job generating that yeah yeah i mean i don't think it's unfounded that like people are putting it in that genre or tacking that on to the movie's description i don't think that that's wrong yeah i just personally think it leans more towards psychological thriller well look at get out yeah get out is set in the Wilderness of upstate New York. Mm-hmm. It is a situation where a marginalized person is trapped mm-hmm. and can't escape mm-hmm. and has to fight their way out and all of those things, right? Like it, it, the beats are not dissimilar. Totally different movies, but there is a similarity here that we can talk about. If you stripped everything away, the skeleton is pretty similar. Right, exactly. Yeah. But the difference is, is that even though that is also a psychological 
fuck around. Yeah. The horror comes from a lot of different places because you're terrified watching it. Mm-hmm. It's more something like The Strangers or... But it's something like that. You know, it's... it's There's an implication. The implications are more terrible generate more terror mm-hmm. even though they're horrifying yes i am scared watching get out i am tense watching 10 cloverfield lane i, I agree. almost said 10 things i hate about you <laughs> <laughs> not as tense um, 10 things i hate about howard yeah 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 so i think that's i that's most of what i had to say is that like it's it's about the comparison it, it when i look at similar movies and i and i, w- I want to rethink don't breathe because i'm not sure now uh, I definitely regarded it as a horror movie at first, and now I'm not sure. Which is it's. I think total- it's because the the blind guy in that movie is more of like a classic movie monster. I gotcha. It feels like a monster film set inside a home invasion. Yeah, gone which wrong. which all of this can sound superficial, but it's film where where there is a visual aspect yeah. to it. There is there there are aesthetics that traditionally point mm-hmm. towards horror and I like I like it when people kind of blur the lines and push the envelope and stuff and that's the whole reason why we even have a show. Yeah. So um so yeah. yeah, I think I think to reiterate this to me is a psychological thriller because yeah. it is tense but not terrifying. Yeah. I'm putting Don't Breathe in the horror camp still cuz he's he's basically supernatural. Yeah. Like his like Howard doesn't have powers. Howard's just a mean old man. Yes, with it's crazy. issues, yeah. Yeah. I don't remember the character's name and Don't Breathe, but he, he is, like, godlike. Like, you really have to suspend mm-hmm. your disbelief for a lot of that movie. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. loved it, and I'm fine with that. And that, that team with Jane Levy is so good. Mm-hmm. I can't wait for them to do more things. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it's horror because he's basically supernatural. He's not literally, but he might as well be. Might as well, yeah. Yeah, which that definitely is a yeah a category of monster. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I think those that's, that that's about what I have to say. Yeah. Yeah. Again, it's a very it's it is a straightforward movie minus not really it, it, minus it treading different lines mm-hmm. of you know it uses horror tropes genres. definitely definitely. But so does American Psycho, and that's not a fucking horror movie. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, again, sorry, it's, Joseph. <laughs> like I said, again, it it that uh, that word doesn't not belong in the description you know like yeah. i'm not saying that I just, no there's yeah. yeah it's it's i understand why people put it there but i'm gonna come down and say it's not yeah yeah same Field Lane, not a horror movie that's my stamp yeah if, if, for the people who like later like an asshole <laughs> for the people who like um a little you know yeah. completed stamp <laughs> on a film this is a psychological thriller in my opinion i've had to tell so many people so many times that i refuse to rank movies or oh. like rate them People like, love love scales. They love numbers, all of that. But anyway. Yeah. Speaking of, <laughs> <laughs> please rate and review us. Uh, that's something that yeah. we don't say a lot here. We It helps us out a lot. And I don't want to sound like a fucking YouTuber right now, but it does help us out. Yeah. Uh, we encourage constructive criticism, too, if there's something. Or even if there's sure like a... Do. Even if there's like a movie that you guys want us to um, cover, just let us know. Um, yeah. we I will only take suggestions in five star reviews, though. <laughs> Stop. But yeah, we we are easy to be found. We are on Instagram. We are on Twitter. Um, yeah, let us let us know. We do have a website. All of those things. Yeah. So find us at Horror Babes Pod and Podcast everywhere. You can find all of our links everywhere. You know who we are. Yeah, we're not worried about you finding us. We're pretty easy to find. Yeah. All right. Bye, Bye, babes. babes.